0: Welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now today, though, I would like to introduce you to Malika Thacker, who is doing a Master of Environmental Studies under the supervision of Dr Vicky Friesen, So welcome to Grad Chat,
1: Malika. Hello, Colette. Thank you very much for having me.
0: (laughs) So it's actually interesting. Some people ask how I get so many grad students and postdocs on the show. Well, often I read the Queen's Gazette. In fact, I read it every morning, which is awesome for keeping up to date with what is going on at Queen's. And as well as listening, I mean, I also listen and read about what, what our grad students and post fellows fire, sometimes it's their program or faculty newsletters and announcements that I hear along the way. So you could say, I'm going to say, excuse the pun and you'll understand it later, I'm a bit of a sticky beak. So this week, and <laughs> Malika will understand that one, so this week it is, you know, i I saw Malika, I I caught my eye on that when I saw a Gazette article. And so Malika's on the hot seat this week. Uh, The Gazette article on the 6th of October talked about the work she is doing, uh, and I quote the title, protecting birds on the, the wing. So with that, which is a great segue into Malika's research topic, which is studying bird window collisions on the Queen's University main campus. Now, uh, you know, I'm really interested to hear more about this work uh, as I can't, to be honest, I can't tell you how many birds are falling into my windows at home. And, and it worries, worries me every time I hear a thunk and I think, oh, I hope that bird's okay. So with that, Malika, can you give us a bit of an overview of what you mean by that in your research?
1: Yeah. So essentially the goal of my research project for my master's degree is I'm aiming to estimate the number of annual collisions that happen between birds and windows on main campus. We've also got some collision mitigation films put up at a couple of places around campus. So that's at Biosciences in the Humphrey Crane building and The second part of my research is to test how effective those are. So hopefully we can see them put up in other places around campus. And I do this essentially with a team of volunteers. We walk around a few buildings on campus that we've selected and we look out for evidence of bird window collisions, be it feathers or a carcass. It's not the happiest job in the world, but (laughs) (laughs) it's important nonetheless. And then we're going to use that paired with some information about scavengers we have around here and windows at different levels, all to put together a number and guess how bad the risk is for birds at Queen's so that we can start addressing the issue. So,
0: you know, what's the scale of this issue? I mean, how serious of a threat are bird window collisions
1: in general, not just within Queen's or around Queen's? Right now, it's been estimated that about 25 million annual bird window collision deaths happen in Canada. Oh, just in Canada. Wow. Just in Canada. And that's a huge number on top of the potential 500 million to 1 billion that occur in the states. So across our continent, the number is just enormous. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a huge threat to uh, transnational migrating birds. So birds that fly across the continent during their migration, because they come across so many cities as they go. And as you mentioned, to put this in a bit of perspective, I'm sure everyone has that experience of hearing or seeing a bird hit a window. Mm -hmm. And the scale of that, if you think of how many times you've seen it, and it's happening all over the country, all over the continent, all over the world, it's just, it's rather enormous. So
0: Well, it's quite scary. But, but you've just said, like, you know, you just mentioned Canada and the US, and maybe you don't know this, but are there big differences between, say, North America and
1: like Europe or Asia? I haven't actually studied too much of the state of bird window collisions over there. I don't know if the field is as big over there. But I think it also has to do with how dispersed different cities are. So in North America, our cities are a lot closer together. And unfortunately, a fair few of them are along these transnational migration pathways for the birds. So I don't know the numbers for overseas and at other continents.
0: And so the birds flying in, is it is a, a, a migration thing. No. It's not just a time of the year when... They just—they're all very happy, and they're flying everywhere.
1: It's—it's <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a bit of both. It's a threat to both local and migrating birds. We tend to focus on the migrating birds again, just because of the numbers of cities they have to see. But it can be a threat at any time of year for any species of bird. They just don't see the glass as a tangible object, something they can hit. So it either looks to them like a reflection that's a continuation of the outside or a pathway straight into a new area and the risk increases the more cities they visit. And so with with before
0: going on to what's happening at what you're doing at Queens, is there a difference in in numbers in terms of collisions from tall buildings as opposed to
1: residential houses? There is in the sense that tall buildings are more dangerous, but that just has to do with the amount of glass and the location. So residential buildings can also be very dangerous because they tend to be closer to green space. So like trees and yeah. gardens and things like that. And the placement of bird feeders and bird baths, you know, there there are many factors, but the risk is, is still high for both residential and larger buildings.
0: And I'm going to ask you one more question, which you may not know. I know you talked about a lot of the times it's from the migration routes and things, but is there certain bird populations that that affects? I mean, certain species of bird? Because I know Uh, the ones that hit me out here, they're the sparrows and starlings and things like that.
1: So There definitely are. And I have a couple examples that I've got jotted down here, but I don't know them all. I know there have been studies done to show which species are disproportionately more likely to hit windows than others. Off the top, what I've got my little notes here include uh, warblers, uh, thrushes, and hummingbirds make up a large Uh. part of it. Yeah, it's it has to do with the way that their eyes are situated in a lack of depth perception in front of them.
0: Okay, so let's let's get on to Queen's. What makes Queen's University main campus so dangerous to birds? Because we've got some great buildings there, and I wouldn't
1: say that we had huge amount of windows, but clearly we do. I think it it comes back to kind of what we were talking about with residential buildings and the fact that Queen's, fortunately for us as as students and staff, is situated by these lovely green spaces and by the water. And by Environmental Canada has listed two important bird areas nearby downtown Kingston, just bird sanctuaries and places that these migrating birds often pass through. So Queen's University campus is situated along one of those transnational bird migration pathways. And because it's not an urban downtown center, the amount of greenery and places for birds to stop and rest nearby our campus brings them in closer to the windows that we have.
0: Ah, okay. So it's actually, like you said, it's really nice that we've got this beautiful campus, but it's a bit of a hindrance as well for our little bird friends.
1: Yes, and also as you look at the newer buildings like uh, Mitchell Hall that was just set up, you can see that we're Mm -hmm. really focusing on having these larger picturesque windows because from a human perspective, it gives you a connection to nature and it's it's seen as very modern and very full of light, you know, and at the same time we're creating a new threat for birds.
0: And does it make a difference? Um, I noticed most, I think... Most of the time I hid these thunks in my house during the day. Does it make a difference at night?
1: It does. So... In addition to just seeing reflections or not being able to see glass during the day, another threat that happens to some of the migrating birds is that some of them migrate nocturnally and they navigate by the stars. And okay. so when they come across lights that are left on in buildings at night, it can confuse them and they can either potentially hit the glass then or they can exhaust themselves by circling in the wrong directions.
0: Uh, also, oh, they can't get round. Oh, I didn't even think of that.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting
0: because just... a lot of skyrise buildings they keep lights on on purpose. That is a real issue for birds flying.
1: And I so... know we've had the discussion at Queens about like the lights are left on for different safety reasons. But mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been hearing even I think it was Austin, Texas, or somewhere in Texas that is planned to do a citywide blackout during the bird migration months. So people are becoming aware of this issue.
0: I think that's a really neat idea but then there would be the other people who were saying but that's going to give more more opportunities for theft and all sorts of things going on you know you know that's always a worry when there's a blackout around the world somewhere yeah looting and things like that so I think it's a great thing to do to help the on the conservation side of things but I wonder if that would be an issue with people for other reasons.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a give and take. And I know that some of the lights that cause the most issue are ones that shoot up straight into the sky, like you see different advertising skylights and things like that at night. So those ones are the worst. Buildings aren't as bad, but there's potential for motion activated lights or timed intervals, you know, so it's right. it's not one right. way or the other.
0: So what have your, been the results so far for you?
1: I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to share too many details because there's still a fair few calculations going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you, you, researchers never finish their calculations.
1: <laughs> that's how it feels. So, the estimate that we've been working with from last year, uh, from these eight buildings that we've been looking around, is about 1,700 annual collisions. But there, there's still a lot to factor in, be it the scavenging rate in the area and um, the fact that there are certain tiers of windows that we can't see. So, that's our, our functional estimate, but it's still. There's a lot of room to change. <laughs> so, but how can I, I don't think you've
0: mentioned this, but how do you figure out how many birds have hit other than if they've left a mark on the window or the, you, you found them at the bottom of the building?
1: Yeah. So there's a commonized methodology in the field, which was those bird, walk, bird walks that I mentioned earlier. Right. Where you walk around the building you're searching two meters out from the glass and you're looking for there are a couple different things you can identify so feather piles or an intact carcass or a partially scavenged carcass and then using the information we gathered from doing those bird walks from may to november of last year provided information to us from flap canada which is a huge bird safety organization particular two bird window collisions located in Toronto and Safe Wings Ottawa which is their component uh, their wing in Ottawa they estimate that we see about five to ten percent of the total collisions So that's what brought the numbers that we were using up to about 1,700.
0: That's still a lot though isn't it? Oh yeah what time period is that because it's, that's not the full year right It's just in during, during a certain time period like you said on the migration times how many was that in weeks
1: it's every week from the start of may or late april until the first or second week of november we're out there wow (laughs) (laughs) yes dedication (laughs) it, it was a large undertaking but i think it was worth it you can start to see the trends show up
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the next question then is how do the collision mitigation tactics currently installed on campus work? And first of all, what what have we installed? And
1: then how does it work? Part of the the research that we have done last year helped us identify areas where there was a high risk of collision. And right. so if you're walking around campus these days, you might notice that there are these little films with dots on them along the windows of the the staircase on um, Berry Street of Biosciences, also along the Humphrey Crane building. Um, So those films, they have very small dots on them, dots that can be, I think ours are about a centimeter, but they can be as small as 0.3 of a centimeter. And they're spaced five centimeters by five centimeters apart. That spacing is so small that when a bird comes close, For starters, it sees all these dots, but it also recognizes that its wingspan is too big to fit within these dots.
0: Ah, good idea.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like when people put those those bird outline stickers on their windows. Those are unfortunately not very effective, but the area immediately around the outline is very unlikely to get hit. So it's kind of like that, but on a teeny tiny scale with a whole bunch of dots. Is it obvious to us that you can see these teeny tiny dots? Not very obvious. It's a lot more obvious from the outside, which is the point. So that's great. Um, From the inside, it shouldn't obstruct your vision. And I know for most buildings, it's not until you get closer that you can really see the dots. They're well installed all over a lot of Toronto as well. And people have not been complaining. So it seems not much of a bother from a human perspective. And they're really highly effective. They can reduce the number of collisions by 95 to 100 percent.
0: Now, you're not sticking these dots on one by one. And they come in a sheet?
1: <laughs> yes. So there is the option to have just there's a roll of them where you can kind of stick it on one on one for more residential buildings. But right. for larger buildings, especially like these, it's a full window film.
0: Yeah, because I can just imagine people out there doing one at a time. and and <laughs> and, and, I, and I guess, do you have to fill the whole window or is it a certain level from the window?
1: It it should be the whole window. The whole window? Yeah. I can yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it easy for people to get hold of if they um, wanted to do it for their own windows? Because like I said, we get all sorts of birds flying into us. And what I end up doing is putting the blinds down to hopefully make that easier for them. But then I'm in pitch blackness in the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't get to enjoy the view.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's such a shame. Plus, while blinds can be very helpful, at the same time, a lot of what birds are seeing are the reflection on the outside. So that's where the dots are particularly useful. Um, I know it is relatively easy to get your hand on, although I believe you do have to order them online in the most case. There's a, a brand from Toronto called Feather Friendly, and that tends to be the one I recommend. But my right. parents have ordered it and put it up in their own home and seen great results. So.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, they've reported to me that like, not only have they not had bird window collisions since they've put them up, but they've seen birds flying towards their windows, seeing the dots and then stopping themselves and flying away.
0: What's next for, for campus in terms of, I mean, you're trying it on two buildings. Is it going to end up being where we will eventually do all
1: buildings? That's the goal. The goal is to incorporate these collision films into all of campus planning, but this is kind of just a test run so that I can show to everyone whether or not they're effective on our campus. So definitely the goal of getting them placed elsewhere on campus and on the new and upcoming buildings that Queens are planning with those great big windows. At the same time, we're also planning on incorporating some student art into the window films that we're putting up. So um, cool. Yeah, UBC, University of British Columbia, really kind of led the charge on Canadian universities putting up these collision mitigation films. And they've got a great one where essentially someone has drawn a gorgeous picture of some birds and some flowers that meet all the requirements of where the dots would be. So we're hoping to do something similar so that we can raise awareness among our students and help support student artists and just get a little bit more art out there on campus.
0: Well, that'd be a good way of helping the, the bird population, but like you said, also allowing Queen, Queen's community to get involved and, and like you said, show their art, but also doing the other part of, of uh, you know, protecting the bird life around.
1: Exactly. It's, it's another way that the goal of this is to spread the project around and to hopefully inspire Kingston residents and local Kingston businesses and students when they go on to other jobs and homes to take this message with them of trying to pr- protect birds from bird window collisions.
0: Do you think at any stage it would be something that you would look at with with the research that you're doing with Dr. Friesen, then putting something to the government of, you know, a lot of the times the government with new initiatives for climate change, you know, helping the environment, there's subsidies for certain changes like changing, making sure your, all your appliances are energy efficient and things like that. Do you think or are you hoping that with some of the work that you've been doing and um, you know, the research that you've been doing, that perhaps then the government might think about how can you know, putting some sort of policy in place to help residences, businesses, and things apply this
1: film on their windows? That would be a dream. That would absolutely be wonderful. I think right now it's mostly been going on a city to city basis. As I mentioned, Toronto has incorporated these uh, collision mitigation tactics into their city's best practices for buildings and things like that. But if we could bring this to different levels of government and help get some funding to encourage other people to incorporate it, that would be incredible.
0: I think that would be awesome. I mean even if you just start with Kingston City Council I think that would be great to get them on board. And so with that though I mean clearly there's a lot of people your project had to work with to get this research going. So so who on campus did you did you use to sort of first of all give you permission to go and put something on some of the windows
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because there are so many people I have to thank for letting this project come to the fruition that it has I mean first and foremost Dr Vicky Friesen it was in one of her classes in my undergrad that I first started gaining interest in this topic at all and she's encouraged me every step of the way in getting to this master's position so I definitely Vicky's been incredible. And at the same time, I was also working with the Society for Conservation Biology Kingston chapter All when right. I first started putting this project together. Just after I graduated from my undergrad, I thought I was setting up a project for some other master's student to come in and pick up once I was gone. And <laughs> so it was with their support that this this really began. The last part is that I, as a student, I didn't really have any authority or insight on how to even begin putting up these collision mitigation tactics. And so I've received a ton of support from the sustainability office, mostly in my original discussions with Nathan Splinter and his intern Madeline Fellows. But now they've created a whole sustainability office task force towards putting these mitigation tactics up and it just, it would have been so impossible for me, just essentially, I would have just been creating the estimate without them. Right. I wouldn't have been able to help instigate any actual change. And now it feels like things are really happening.
0: And well, it's interesting because there's one thing, like you said, is to go around the buildings and count, but you want to be able to test, does, does this particular product, for instance, work? If we do something like this, is this actually going to help the situation or we just collected numbers for the sake of it?
1: Now that we've got these mitigation tactics up and running and being experimented on just to test their efficiency, that can be the tool that we use to prove to the university that this is something worth investing in.
0: How many years are you wanting to test this product and also not just test the product, but I guess that's also looking at the numbers that are hitting those particular
1: windows? I am on my last year of my master's, so I've I've done this for two years in a row now. I would love for someone to continue this project, either after me or a couple of years after me, because the more years worth of data we collect, the better our estimates become.
0: Well, exactly. So, you can see whether it just even just for those buildings that you've got them on now, the impact mm-hmm. that it has on those buildings.
1: Exactly, and. I'd I'd love to expand it to actually doing it around campus, which brings me to the last little group of people that I most definitely have to thank is all of the different volunteers from the different terms, the different student volunteers that have been helping me perform these bird walks. Because essentially when I was doing the bird walks of my own, that was three hours out of every morning, six out of seven days per week. (laughs) You get you get your steps in. (laughs) Absolutely. But getting up first thing in the morning to walk for three hours, oh, it was a pain in the butt. But (laughs) there have just been some delightful student volunteers who have come out and like taken on a building or two, and that'll only take them about 15 to 30 minutes of walking. And it just gives me so much more time in the mornings and peace of mind so I, I really can't thank them enough well we
0: can never do without volunteers they're very important to everything that we that we do and it's also very good as that's a nice thing about being at a university there's lots of lots of students faculty and staff who are really interested in doing more than just what they came there for in the first place mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great opportunity to get involved in the Queen's community. So yeah, you're right. We should be thanking our volunteers a lot more. So I'm I'm glad they helped you so much.
1: (laughs) It's, It's really exciting because essentially this whole thing started for me from a passion project, from the feeling that we had a responsibility to reduce the level of threat we're presenting to these birds and, and to yeah. see other students come forward and be willing to put in their time and effort to support these ideas. You know, you just, it gives you hope.
0: It does give us hope, doesn't it? And, and I and I think that in these times we need as much as we can get right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the nice things, it would be interesting actually to see, even in these COVID times, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I, I feel, you know, nature, is very good at sort of fixing itself when we when we give it time to do so and so i'm seeing a lot more birds a lot more animals around my little neighborhood which is really really nice and so I'm, i also wonder whether that would make a difference to anyone who's studying what you're doing right now looking at it from now to a
1: bit further down the track That's one of the good news about having the buildings that don't have the mitigation tactics on and continuing to study them is we Mm -hmm. can use them as kind of a shifting baseline to compare last year to this year. So I'm really interested about what we're going to see in terms of whether we're seeing more birds around and that kind of thing.
0: And particularly, there's not many people on campus, so there's not many people walking around for that distraction either. So I think you've got some great, I mean, you're doing some great work there. And like I said, I was fascinated. As soon as I read that Gazette article, I thought, ooh, got to get Malika on the show. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's awesome what, what you've been doing. So um, finish off your what you need to do to get your degree, but I'm sure you want to get keep part of it to find out what, what happens next, because there's nothing worse than starting a project and not seeing it to the end, I
1: guess. Oh, yes. I'm definitely going to be following up. And also, thank you very much. You said some very kind things to me in that last little paragraph. So thank
0: you. Well, actually, before we finish, though, what I'd like to ask you, because I always find it fascinating what our students do outside of their studies, if I understand it correctly, you're a playwright. I am. That's very different from what you're doing in environmental studies, or is it?
1: (laughs) I mean, there's certainly a bit of overlap. One of the reasons why I originally came to Queen's for my undergraduate degree was because they were letting me do both biology and theatre at the same time. So these are these are my two great loves. And let me get you right, this is 6am Productions, it's called? Yes. So 6AM Productions, that's the the company that I am both a playwright uh, and a logistics coordinator for, occasionally an understudy, just kind of filling all roles around. We're a new Kingston-based production company. So we do events, film, TV, and theater. Although with the state of the world being what it is right now, our main focus is on virtual murder mysteries that we run for corporate (laughs) events. Yeah. It's been this phenomenal journey because we've gone from doing these little plays, which we would perform at Clark Hall Pub, maybe three of them per term. And if we could pay our actors $50 at the end of the term, you know, it was successful. Fantastic. Fantastic partnering with uh, moniker partners which tends to do corporate retreats before the world kind of went insane with everything with covid and so they've been helping connect us to different corporations and now we're working some really big names like ubisoft and plex and our queen smith school of business we've done several shows for them now so i hope they're giving you a bit more money than 50 dollars (laughs) each Yes, we can now pay our actors $150 per show. And it just, it feels so good to get artists paid for the incredible hard work they're doing and to see jobs for artists during this time, for actors during a time where you can't have live theatre in person.
0: Like you said, it's nice to be able to combine your passion for, you know, biology and the environment, as well as your theatre work. So if you're a playwright, you're going to have to do something to combine the two in
1: in a play. Oh yes, I've definitely I wrote one play in my undergrad that involved birds and kind of birds personified, but I'm excited <laughs> to do more work down the line to meld these two worlds. I'm together. sure you could do
0: a good you could write a play about doing your your these, your research. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been an adventure. It's a hilariously morbid topic to talk about, but for all the best, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I I look forward to to seeing when we do have an opportunity to all get back on campus and, and meet each other better. I look forward to seeing some of your productions.
1: Thank you Whether you very Queens much. or when you, get, uh, when you move on to other things. And hey, if I can plug the company a little bit, we've got a great holiday show coming up. So if anyone right. has a corporation of either 40 to 120 people that you want to put on a holiday heist show for, get in touch with 6am Productions, it's going to be a blast. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> you got that damn pat. <laughs> <laughs> And you you said you were shy of coming on the
1: radio. <laughs> oh, acting is remarkably different from public speaking, but this, this has just been a treat. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, Malika, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I'm really glad you said yes and, and, and did it so quickly with your yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to do too much prompting, so that was fantastic. So I do want to wish you the best of luck of finishing up your master's degree you. and also with your theatre to work as well. And whatever is installed for you moving forward, I wish you the best of luck with it.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Colette. And thank you for having me on today. You're very welcome. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcast or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. i